0: Well, I've been so excited for this series because I really believe almost all of us have gotten stuck in our faith at some point, and that's, you know, maybe some of you are stuck because you've never taken really a step of faith to go all in with Jesus. Some of you are brand new in your faith, or many of us have been Christians for a long time, and and I've found myself stuck on occasion. And so this series is designed to answer some of the big questions that just get us stuck. And today I'm going to answer a question that I think has plagued so many people over the years. And here's the question we're going to answer today Can I trust that the Bible is true? Can you trust that the Bible is true for you? Did you know, at the best we can count today, there's actually over 130 million books that have been published throughout history. And what all of us know is that not every book is reliable, not every book is true, not every book is even helpful or even relevant for your life. Uh, I'll just give you two examples. These are books that people have sent me that I've saved in my office that have raised my eyebrows a little bit. The first book I wanna show you is this book. It's written by Dr. Alan Francis and Cindy Cashman. It's called Everything Men Know About Women. And it's the 30th anniversary edition, the one I have. It's a pretty significant book. I would encourage every man here to pick this up. It's a very short read actually because um, every single page in this book is empty. Every page. (laughs) Is empty, okay? (laughs) I got some of you, some of you ladies were like, oh, I want to see this. I want to see what's in that book. Yeah, so this was a joke, okay? The next book I was sent, it's not a joke. You can look this up. It has 1,800-plus reviews on Amazon. It's a a four-and-a-half-star-reviewed book, very serious book. This is very serious, okay? This book is called Crafting with Cat Hair, I, I can't even make this up. It's a real book. You literally take your cat's hair and you can create little cat, uh, crafts. The whole book, I mean, there's tons of crafts you can make and it's pretty disgusting to me, honestly, so but I keep it? <laughs> what makes the Bible different than a lot of the books that are out there today that, that you, you would consider untrue, unreliable, maybe just completely irrelevant, full of just odd, irrelevant stories what makes the Bible different? Because that's what some of you have been told about the Bible. It's even what you believe is that the Bible is not true, it's not reliable, and it's actually not even relevant today. It's full of a bunch of you know irrelevant type facts in there. Did you know today, statistically, actually 42% of people in America today are neutral or think the Bible's unreliable? And that could be you, because you know, a professor kind of slammed the Bible, it's not historically accurate or reliable anymore, and you just kind of bought into that. It, could be that you had family members or friends that have really like mowed down the Bible and said, "How could anyone in, a, in the 21st century believe in a book when we have science now and it doesn 't align with science or maybe you 've just never explored it for yourself so what we 're going to do today is we 're going to do some training okay i 'm going to train you in your faith we 're going to cover a lot of information so Hold on, you can always go back and re-watch this message. At the end, we're really gonna boil it down and make it simple, but I want to train you in your faith. And here's why this is so important. Because the Bible claims to be true, absolutely true. Listen to what it's is written in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this: all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Remember that word last week? There's that training word. Training, why? So that the servant of God, that's those of us that are followers of Jesus, can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now let me just take this verse just a minute and explain it. When it says that the Bible is God breathed, that is literally a compound Greek word that means that comes from the lungs of God. In other words, the claim of this book is that God himself breathed the inspiration of this book. This is literally God's word to you. If you ever wondered if God could speak to you today, the answer is yes, he speaks through his word. It is God breathed. Why? So that you could be thoroughly equipped. I love this word. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect tense Greek word which means not just thoroughly equipped for like one thing, thoroughly equipped in all seasons in all things of your life. Could you imagine being thoroughly equipped fully thoroughly equipped in all that you need in your life for every good work God has for you in your marriage with your finances with your parenting with you know with your with your leadership at work how to deal with pain and loss this is the claim of scripture is that it is true so that you can be thoroughly equipped for everything you need to deal with in life and the question is do you believe that's true Because if you don't, you'll never be transformed in your life. In fact, I'll just just say it this way. You can't have a transforming faith without trusting the Bible. Because what you know about relationships is true of the Bible, that the moment trust breaks down in a relationship, the relationship's over. And the moment your trust that the Bible is true breaks down, you will get stuck in your faith. And so I'm gonna develop your faith today. Okay, we're gonna look At the evidence, is the Bible true? And I'm just gonna go head to head with some things that you've you've seen and heard and you can fact check anything I say today, okay? And I'm gonna give you four reasons that I think we can trust that the Bible is true. There's much more than this. These are just the big four for me. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. It's the historical accuracy that we see in the Bible. The historical accuracy, Now, I'm going to read you a historical statement, and you just in your own mind see if there's anything wrong with this statement, okay? Here's a historical statement. One of the greatest technological breakthroughs happened in 1973 when Bill Gates started a company called Apple, whose headquarters was first located in New York City. Now, anything wrong with that? You're like, yeah, first of all, I got the date wrong. It's not 1973, it's 1976. I got the person wrong because Bill Gates didn't find Apple. Who did? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. And it wasn't founded in New York City. Where was was the company founded? Cupertino, California. Here's my point from that example. Accurate and reliable history always, always gets dates, people, and places right. And they're confirmed to be true. Now here's the amazing fact about the Bible. Okay, watch this. No historical book in the world covers more history than the Bible. There's not even a book in the world that comes even close. The Bible the Bible, is 66 books, two Testaments, an Old Testament and a New Testament, which just means Old Covenant and New Covenant. 66 books written over 1500 years by 40 different people in three different languages on three different continents, telling one consistent story. It's all about Jesus. Now with that much history that's covered, No book covers more history than that. The the Bible covers thousands of events and people and places and rulers and kings and rivers and mountains and countries and cities and coins, and I could go on and on and on. What is the odds that over time we would find one historical misrepresentation or inaccuracy in the Bible? What's the odds? Did you know there has not been one historical or archeological find that has ever, ever proven that the Bible and what it says is not true, not one. And people have tried. In fact, in the 19th century, this is hard for us to believe because we're so far past it now, but in the 19th century, one of the greatest critiques of the Bible and Bible critiques that said the Bible's not true, one of the things they used is they actually used the nation of the Hittites, the Hittite people. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about this massive you know, a nation and, and huge people group called the Hittites. Actually, a, a 133 times in 76 verses, the Old Testament mentions the Hittites, and critics said, See, the Bible's not true because there's never been one historical find that confirms there was a people group called the Hittites. In fact, the Encyclopedia Britannica, who was kind of the gold standard of history at the time, kind of jabbed the Bible in the 19th century and said, We anxiously await any proof that the Hittites ever existed. Guess what archeologists found in 1906? In the Middle East, they found a massive civilization that they unearthed the Hittites. There have been over 25,000 archeological digs and finds over the years that have all confirmed facts figures, people, and places about the Bible. The archaeological evidence is so overwhelming, it would just be hard to even explain today. We could go on and on. There's a whole Bible called the Archaeological Bible now that just shows all these uh, facts. In fact, um, Dr. Nelson Gluick, who's a Jewish archaeological expert, said this, it may be categorically stated that no archaeological discovery has ever contradicted a biblical reference ever. That's incredible to me. In fact, this is just free. For those of you that are single ladies here today, I'm just gonna throw this in for free, okay? Um, Archeologists actually make great husbands. Do you know that? You're thinking, why? Because the older you get, the more interested they are in you. Yeah. That's bad, I know, it's bad, it's bad. But some of you dig it, some of you dig it, don't you? (laughs) Listen, the jokes just go downhill from here, okay, people? that's what I got, all right? The archaeological evidence is amazing. But listen to this. Watch this. The Bible has more ancient copies closer to the original date completed than any other historical book in the history of the world. And I'm going to show you. Let me just show you a couple examples. I'll show you a chart that shows documents, ancient documents, when they were completed, how many manuscripts we have today of them and the date of those manuscripts, which is a great indication of how close the manuscripts we have today were went, match or how close they are to when they were completed. Some of you in school studied the works of Plato, right? We don't ever question Plato and if he existed. He wrote his works in 350 BC. We have seven, only seven documents of his, and, and they are from 1250 years after he originally wrote them. Watch this. The Gallic Wars, written by Julius Caesar, you know, known by historians as complete fact. 50 BC he wrote these. We have ten of them today. The ten we have are written a thousand years after they were originally written. That's what we have. Tacitus was this amazing Roman historian. I've read him personally myself. He has a great facts about Rome. He wrote in 11, uh, 1117 AD. We have two of his manuscripts today. They're from 733 years after he wrote them. What about the New Testament? Well, what about the New Testament? In the New Testament today, it was completed in 95 AD, the complete New Testament. We have 5,700 ancient documents and it grows every single year and these documents are within 40 years of when it happened when it it was written which means it's so close the manuscripts we have to when it actually happened that if it didn't happen if there's untruth in it these documents would have never lasted and yet the bible is the greatest selling book of all time for history what would the odds be that all these ancient documents we have actually match the Bible we have today over 2,000 years later in the New Testament? I mean, surely, like you've heard, it's, it's all changed over time. We'd, everybody just kind of changed it to match what's going on today. Did you know from the ancient documents to the Bible we have today, it is 99.5% completely the same You'd say, what's the 0.5%? It's a couple spelling errors, an and or a the placed in a different location. There's not one thing from the ancient documents from what we have today that would ever change a belief or doctrine or theology. Not one. This should give you unbelievable confidence, the historical accuracy. There's not a book in the world that has more historical accuracy than the Bible, but isn't that what you'd expect if this truly was the word of God? That's the historical accuracy. Let me move on to the second reason I think you can trust the Bible, and that is the scientific accuracy. So many of us have heard something like, well, science and the Bible don't match up, so that's why I don't really believe in the Bible. But when it comes to science, isn't it true that there may be no more irrelevant book in the world than an old science book? I mean, the science book you had when you were in elementary school is, like, irrelevant today. Why, because there's always new breakthroughs in science. They're always coming out with a new discovery or something new. Can I just show you one example? In the 1800s, if you got sick in the 1800s, you know what the greatest um, scientific um, advice was from doctors, and this was written in all the science manuals. If you got sick, you know what you should do? You should cut a hole in your arm and like, let yourself bleed it out a little bit. It was called bloodletting. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, you know, today, when, when I grew up, I got sick. My mom was like, take some vitamin C, In the 1800s, it's like you got sick. Mom's like, "Hey, let's get a knife. Let's cut a hole in his arm. Let's bleed this sucker out." Okay, this happened during the. We we have evidence from the Greek uh, times. This is a picture in Greek of them bloodletting. This is a picture from 1860 of someone being bloodlet. Got to let the blood out. Was the greatest scientific advice at the time. Did you know our first president, George Washington, died from bloodletting? Listen to this. In December 13th, 1799, George Washington awoke with a sore throat. The next day, because this was the science, he went to be bloodlet. They cut his arm. They said that they drained five to seven pints of blood from his body. Within 16 hours, he was dead. But that was the scientific advice at the time. Now think about the Bible. The greatest, oldest historical document we, we have, I mean, it's like, this is, the, this is the, the, we have more historical evidence of the Bible today than any other book, all right? What's the likelihood that there's something in this book that doesn't scientifically match up till today? Let me flip that question. If this was really God's word, what would be the likelihood that the Bible was way ahead of any scientific discoveries that scientists would ever find in the future. Isn't that what you'd expect if this was really God's word? What's amazing is that's what you find in the Bible. I'm just gonna give you two examples today. Okay, two examples. One is we know from history, we know, that all the ancient civilizations that existed during the Bible's writing these 1,500 years of history, believed that the earth itself was held up by something. Everyone believed the earth was held up by something. Let me show you two example, or th- three examples. One is, actually, the Greeks, this is, this is the Greek, uh, I know some of you are confused right now because this ripped body. You're like, is that Pastor Ashley? No, it's not, okay, that's not me. <laughs> this is the <laughs> This is the Greek god Atlas because all the Greeks believed that Atlas held up the earth because the earth had to be held by something. It couldn't just like float. What about the Hindu religion? In Hindu writing, we know from, for fact that the Hindus believed that the earth was held up by giant elephants on the back of a sea turtle that sometimes they actually threw in a sea serpent underneath that. And the reason we had earthquakes is because if the sea serpent or turtle got a little like gamey that day, we had earthquakes that day, right? This is what the Hindus believed. That's what held up the earth. Even the Egyptians, which listen, most of the Old Testament was written by Moses who was raised in an Egyptian household, went to the greatest Egyptian schools. All the Egyptians, what they taught, is that the earth was held up by five pillars. It's historical fact. What about the Bible? Wouldn't it be amazing if the Bible was so far ahead of its time with science before we ever knew there was a solar system and the earth was actually not held up by something? Well, just listen to what the Bible says. The oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Listen to what the Job says. Job six seven. he, that's God, spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over what? Nothing. Why was Christianity the only only religion that got it right. Because that's what you'd expect if this was the Word of God. But let me give you my favorite, favorite evidence from science. To me, this is just incredible. It's the evidence of circumcision. Some of you guys are getting a little squirmy right now. You're like, ooh. <laughs> let me just talk to the guys for a second. Imagine living two to 3,000 years ago, and someone's like, we're gonna, we're gonna get you circumcised, all right? There's no medical clean rooms, no disinfectants anywhere. There's no, like, you know, any sort of painkillers that really exist that, that work really, really well. I mean, you know, there's no sharp knives. Like, we have surgically sharp knives today. And, you know, it's like, imagine how many things could go wrong, right? I mean, imagine, you know, it's like, it's your day to get circumcised. Who's doing it? Johnny, he has a shaky hand. Like, what's going to go? It's like, oh, man. <laughs> so many things could go wrong, Right. Yet God gives us this thing, God is you know, the one who very first ever mention of circumcision before anyone knew what it was. God commands the Israelites to, to be circumcised, to be set apart from the other nations around them. And I'm just gonna read you the exact command from God from the book of Genesis, and just listen. Genesis chapter 17, verse 12. Every male baby will be circumcised when he's what? Say it out loud, eight days old. Why eight days old? Why not two days old? Why not five days old? Why not 10 days old? Why not 150 days old? Give the little guy like some time, you know? I don't know. (laughs) He's like, why eight days exactly? This is incredible to me. Medical science now, we've just discovered this in the 1930s. What we discovered in the 1930s is that when you're cut for your blood to clot properly and to heal you need a certain protein, and the protein is called Prothermin. Prothermin, okay, and it comes, it's developed from our liver and requires a lot of vitamin K, and without a healthy dose of Prothermin, you will actually, your blood will not clot and you'll bleed out and die. And what scientists discovered in the 1930s is that there's one day in a male's life where you peak with Prothermin and vitamin K higher than any other day of your life. And guess which day it is? This is crazy. This is science. Day eight of a baby's life, you will have a higher level of Prothermin and vitamin K than any other day of your life. It's lower before and it goes down after. How would a book written 3,500 years ago know that to be a scientific fact. There's no possible way to know unless God breathed this book. It is from him. And for some of you, that should be it. That should be it. When someone asks you, why do you believe the Bible's true? You're like, day circumcision, bro. That's what it is, man. (laughs) Day circumcision, that's how I believe it. Because how, how would the Bible be so far in front of science? It is, I actually love this quote about science. It actually says this, science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. (laughs) Because that is what you find in scripture in so many instances. There's not one scientific instance in scripture that would be disproved today. In fact, there's so many examples of the Bible being so far in front of science. And I think that that should give some of you extreme confidence that the Bible is true, the scientific evidence. But here's a third uh, piece of evidence I think is, it really should show you the Bible is true. It's the prophetic accuracy of the Bible. You have to understand, the Bible just sets itself up for failure with the number of prophecies it makes about the future. There are over a thousand prophecies in scripture, 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. 300 prophecies. I mean, there's prophecies about where Jesus will be born, like how he's going to die before that way of being killed was ever even invented, how Jesus is going to be betrayed, how many days he'll stay in the grave before he rises again. I mean, think about the, the amount of like failure that could happen with that many prophecies about someone. And all the critics, their critique of all the prophecies coming true about Jesus was, I think, very valid because what, they, what all the critics said is they said, sure, after Jesus is born and died in the New Testament, all his followers just went back to the Old Testament and just wrote a bunch of those prophecies in so that they would come true. I mean, how easy would that be, right? Go back in the Old Testament, right? He'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll be born in Bethlehem. Oh, it came true, weird, oh, you know? I think that's a really valid critique. Up until the year 1947, With arguably the greatest archaeological find in history, the Dead Sea Scrolls. What happened with the Dead Sea Scrolls is we found the oldest, oldest Old Testament ancient documents in existence today. Scientists, not Christian scientists, carbon dated many of these documents to 300 years before. Jesus ever existed, which means if a document with a prophecy is carbon dated 300 years before Jesus and it came true, nobody wrote it in. Jesus just fulfilled that prophecy. And with the Dead Sea Scrolls, that's exactly what we found. The Dead Sea Scrolls, there are over 15,000 documents of the Old Testament in fragments that, that, that have been found. And guess what what percentage of those Old Testament documents match our documents today in the Bible? 99.9% accuracy thousands of years later. That's incredible. But here's the best fact for me about the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found one scroll that is the most complete, largest scroll out of any of the scrolls they found and it is the book of Isaiah. You can go to Israel today. I've seen this many times myself. It's why everyone should have on their bucket list to go to Israel to walk where Jesus walked, to see the evidence, to see the documents. In the Israel Museum today, you can go into the Israel Museum and see the original Dead Sea Scrolls. This is the Isaiah scroll. It's massive. It's almost the entire book of Isaiah. (laughs) Guess which book in the Old Testament contains the most prophecies about Jesus? Isaiah. And to me, that's just God winking at you. I got you. You ever doubted that this is true? I will show you by carbon dating proof that the prophecies about my son really did come true. But isn't that what you'd expect if this really was God's word? And it's actually what we see. Years ago, uh, Peter Stroner, who is a mathematician, head, uh, head of the Department of Mathematics at Pasadena College, he calculated what are the odds that not Jesus could fulfill 300 prophecies, but that Jesus could fulfill eight, just eight prophecies. What would be the odds that he could do that? because we know for a fact, based on the historical documents, that he fulfilled all 300. What if he could just fulfill eight? What's the odds of that? Here's a mathematician's calculation. One chance in one was 17 zeros, which which is 100 quadrillion, which means it's impossible. Lee Strobel gave a great example of, of, of how to just understand this number. He said, if you took the entire state of Texas and took silver dollar coins and filled the whole entire state of Texas, every inch of the ground with silver dollar coins two feet deep and then you took one of those coins and put a little red dot on it and you buried it amongst all those coins across the whole state of Texas. Then you took someone and blindfolded them, sent them into the state of Texas and said pick one coin. The odds that someone would pick that coin with the red dot is the same odds that Jesus could fulfill eight prophecies in the Old Testament. And that's what he did. The scientific and prophetic evidence and the historical evidence is overwhelming, overwhelming that the Bible is true. I love what it says in Second Peter 1.21, it says this. It says, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, in other words, God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, through inspiration, work through men to capture what we have in the Bible today. It is true, and you can trust it. And the evidence is overwhelming. But that doesn't help some of you, does it? Because you have unanswered questions that have plagued you for a long time. And your questions have nothing to do with the evidence in the Bible that it's true. Your questions have to do with something in the Bible that the Bible says that you don't wanna be true. It could be something the Bible says a sin is wrong and you wanna keep doing it, or you have a family member who's doing that and you don't wanna believe that this is true, so what what have you done? You've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You've thrown the whole thing out because it says something that you don't really wanna abide by or live by. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that disturb me, it's the parts I do understand that disturb me. I think that's true for a lot of people. I like how G.K. Chesterton put it. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it's been found difficult and left untried. And what I just wanna, someone here today, and I don't know who this is, but let me just kind of speak to you real quick. This is just God speaking to you. Even if I answered every single question you have about the Bible today, it wouldn't help you out. And the reason why is because you wanna live your life your way and you don't want God to weigh in at all. And that's your issue. And if that's you, the question I have today for you is how's it going living life your way? How's it going living as if the Bible's not true and doesn't have any weight on your life? So you really wanna get stuck in life? You wanna get stuck where instead of moving forward, you keep feeling like you're falling back? Then you operate your life as if this book is irrelevant and untrue when all the evidence points otherwise. And to me, the greatest evidence that the Bible is true isn't actually the historical, scientific, or prophetic evidence. You know what it is? For me, it's the personal evidence. It's the evidence that I've seen in my own life and the life of thousands of people, especially around here at CCV, that are living their lives according to this book and what that's doing for them. You know what many people don't argue with? You can argue with the history and science and prophecies. What most people don't argue with is a life that's transformed people that are living according to this book, not people that are taking little bits and pieces and, and manipulating it. I mean people that are really trying to live and love and serve the way Jesus did. Isn't that evidence for you? Because you know it, you see it around you. You see the man or woman that they have joy and you don't understand it. You've seen the single mom that she has peace when you don't even know how she could You see a marriage that's thriving because they're living according to this book and you just want to ignore it. See, this this book has changed my life personally. It's saved my marriage. It's made me a 10 times better dad. This book has revolutionized my finances. It's made me the leader I am today because of the leadership advice and wisdom in this book. This book has changed me and I think the personal evidence should compel you that a life lived aligned with God's word is a life that's thriving. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and active. It's not an ancient historical document. This book is designed for today, right now, for you, wherever you're at. It pierces kind of into your soul and your heart. And when you really engage with this book, it gets to your thoughts and it helps you live the life that God wants for you. I have never in my life met one person that has said honestly that they have tried to live according to this book and they regret it. It's God's word's true. It's, it's the instruction manual for your life and if you're trying to live your life outside of the instructions that God made you because he created you, you're gonna have a breakdown and you can keep trying to do it on your own or you can finally just submit to the truth of God's word and that's what I'm gonna challenge you to do today. Because I really believe <laughs> a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. You watch someone who's engaging God's word so much, I mean their Bible's like falling apart, you'll see a life that's not. And I want that for everyone here today. And I don't want you to get stuck in your faith. I want you to really have confidence in this book because when you have confidence in it, you'll, you'll embrace it and you'll start engaging it, you'll start doing what it says. So I'm going to have a a really simple challenge for you today, okay? And the challenge is I'm going to to ask you to re-engage with this book. Whether you've been away from it for a while or you've just kind of got complacent. And my challenge is going to look like this. I'm going to challenge every person here to download the Bible app on your phone or computer or on on your iPad. It looks like this. It it is, in my opinion, the best Bible app there is out there. It's it's many Bible versions you can choose from, and there are Bible plans that will help you, guide you through reading the Bible, and I think it's really, really helpful. And so what I'm gonna challenge you to do is download this app, and then here's just kinda four things you can do. Download the app, and I want you to choose a reading plan, either the book of James or John. These are really relevant, easy books to get through in the New Testament. James is five chapters. John is 21 chapters, and that's nice because I'm gonna challenge you to do this for 21 days, which leads you from today, basically through Mother's Day, so you can get in a habit again of being in God's word and letting this transform your life. Not only do I want you to download the app and choose a plan, I want you to, to choose to read 15 minutes a day, which means everyone can do that. I don't care how busy you are, you have 15 minutes a day. And I want you to choose the same time and the same location every single day. It's what I do. Every morning, I wake up at the same time and I sit in the same exact chair and I get my Bible out. It's a routine, it's a habit. 15 minutes a day is about one chapter a day, which you can do. I don't want you to just read one chapter, then I want you to pick one verse. Don't try to take everything, pick one verse that you feel like God is speaking into your life. Here's the key, then I want you to apply it to your life. Because remember what we talked about last week? Information without application does not equal transformation. And you can't just wake up and read this book and expect to just be transformed. You have to start putting it into practice. And if you would do these four things for 21 days, you'll start to see your life transform and change because God's word is true and designed for you. I I, I do this all the time, but what I tried to do this week is I tried to, apply it to my life. I took out the book of James, and I, I started on Monday, and I, I read James chapter one, and I picked one verse. I said, God, what are you speaking to me? And I'm just gonna read you the verse God gave me. James chapter one, verse 19, says this. Everyone, which means Ashley, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I thought to myself, how many times with my wife and with my kids am I so eager to speak and I don't really listen. So I decided this week that I was gonna to try to listen twice as much as I speak and really guard my life and my attitude and how I parent and how I'm a husband to Jamie and the kids. And I'm telling you, this week's been, it's been really great for me. That's what happens from God's word. You get in it daily, 15 minutes a day, same place, same time, one verse, and you start applying it to your life. And this book, this book, will transform your life. But remember, for it to be transforming, you need to be confident that it's true. And there is an unbelievable amount of evidence that today you should walk away going like, that book is true. Can we pray together? God, thank you that you didn't just give us a book that we had to guess at. You gave us a book with so much evidence that it is really true. And I pray for the person here today that has kind of been stuck in their faith because they wondered, is it true? I pray that you just give them a lot of confidence walking out today that, God, this is the greatest book ever written, and it's written for us for today. It's alive, it's active, it's true, and you're just waiting for us to engage it. And would we really take seriously getting into your word, not just for information, but so we can apply it to our lives, and you can start transforming marriages, our attitudes, our anxiety, those that are single today and worried, those that have kids that are wayward, those that are in business situations and don't know what to do, God, would your word become the guidebook for our lives? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, next week, we're continuing this series. We're gonna deal with what I think is the biggest question people have, most people, which is how could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? It's the perfect weekend to invite someone with you. We'll see you then. Until then, go engage God's word. See ya.